0: Hey everyone, thank you for joining us today on Beyond Real Estate with Jalik, where we strive to edutain, that is educate a little and entertain more. Here we discuss topics where maybe you can relate, briefly talk about a current hot topic within the real estate industry, and end with hashtag debt life before getting to know someone just a little bit better. Hey, thanks for joining out there in podcast land. Um, you, you joined the Beyond Real Estate with Jalik here this week.
1: We, we don't get caught up in technicalities here. <laughs> That's not what this podcast name is. Right. <laughs> technicalities and, uh, with Nick and Jalen.
0: Yeah. But no, But let's start off with uh, today's topic um, being in, and maybe you can relate in that topic for this week is the evolving workspace and how what used to be a, a workspace of uh, one career, you put a good 30 years in, you have a decent pension plan, and you call it good to what it is today. I feel like a, a new norm, um, is you have. it's not uncommon to have two and three jobs simultaneously. Um, and it's not that uncommon to move from one industry or career into another one. Um, and that used to be the outlier. You were an outlier if, the, if that was the case and now it seems to be not the case. So Jalen, let, let's start off on that note. What, what, what's your take?
1: Yeah. The changing workplace definitely gone more digital. Um, Not sure if that's breaking news to anyone in particular, but definitely something that is the people that are willing to adapt to it also are the ones that are seeing more of the benefit when it comes to having that big, crazy thing we call technology nowadays. So always, uh, basically being open to evolving, seeing how that can be adapted. Uh, And this also goes for just businesses in general. A lot of people, particularly in the real estate game, there are people that hold themselves to what it was, what worked and what was the industry 20, 30, 40 years ago, because that's when they first got into it. They saw success from it, but that's not always the case in a lot of sales industries. Um, And so you do have to just go out and find new ways and find new tools and be able to really use and adapt yourself and your company in uh, your company's culture too i think that's that's also one that a lot of people don't talk about is your culture definitely is going to be changing when you don't have uh that daily face to face of people, some people working remotely, some people not. So, um, I think culture is one that we can definitely dive into a little bit more that probably is going by the wayside and, uh, maybe some recommendations that we've seen and like when using, um, technology and that limited face to face experience that more people are seeing and with millennials preferring. So, um, yeah, what about you, Nick? What's going to be something
0: what's going to be something? What
1: what's going to be something? Sorry, I just uh, trailed right off there, didn't I? No, yeah. What's going to be something that you see as a let's go both positive Mm -hmm. in the next year, uh, few months to Mm -hmm. something that's a negative with working remotely that you've seen.
0: Positive working remotely. I think you could definitely make the argument for happier employees, right? I get to show up when I want, um, but I'll immediately say, what's a negative? They get to show up when they want the accountability. Um, I think it puts more responsibility on the individual when they work remotely to be self-motivated to a large extent. Because, yeah, you might be able to sleep in, but now I'll get that. There's always later. I always have tomorrow. You know, and, and now then you feel like, oh, I, I haven't done anything this week. And now it's Thursday or Friday. And now you feel like, oh, my God, I can't do anything. And, um, but we created that problem for ourselves. So I think the luxury of time can be use it, don't abuse it. Um, and I, I think that's a very important thing for, for those in the remote workspace. So the positive, I think, again, you have more autonomy and you have you have that ability to make decisions. But I think that's a double-edged sword because I think that becomes a negative as well. Uh, for those that don't like to schedule things out, um, that don't time block at all in any shape, way, or form, I think it, it then presents a massive challenge when you do have so much time to to make decisions. So uh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, on, on that note too, what are... So I think the negative aspects also can be um, one that comes to mind that I saw an article on recently was looking at, hey, you have these large corporations that pay sometimes hundreds of millions, if not even more than that, for a particular office building in a particular um, city. So what do you think about this kind of, uh, I think I think Biden actually said something along these lines of, of workers need to go back into the office mm-hmm. and things like, We need to get back to the older way of doing things pre COVID. What do you think about that? Do you think it should be a forced or should this be, um, people, workers take, Hey, I don't, I don't want to work. Like I'm, I'm willing to work for you maybe at these lower rates or Mm -hmm. at these whatever, but I don't want to have to now also pay to drive and pay for parking, especially in these large cities. Good luck finding free parking. Um, and so, there's kind of like that dynamic as well. Hey, I don't want to just be, um, a, a, a person that has to drive 45 minutes. I'd rather just work, you know, my eight hours, wake sure. up at eight, come in at nine clock out at four. If I want to have lunch, I can go get a PB and J without uh stew over an accounting, just stealing it from me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, I think brick and mortar definitely has its place and, and is very necessary in, in a lot of facets. I, I think one reason being we're social animals. I think as human beings, we want that interaction and we need that interaction. And I think that's a draw, another drawback of remote work is it takes you away from those relationships. How do I get to know you if I never meet you face-to-face? And I don't really talk with you outside of you and I meeting for an 8 o'clock meeting that we have based on the fact that we work at the same company. Like... I honestly don't believe there is a like-for-like a like change to say, well, I, we're giving up the face-to-face, um, but here's what will facilitate the exact same experience. Like, I, I think I, – I don't think that exists. Um, so I, I I do think it's necessary to work w- – um, I don't know if hybrid is necessarily the, the answer to it to say you're going to be expected to come into the office at least two days a week or three days a week. But I think that dynamic needs to be there um, in, in virtually most um, work segments. I don't, I don't think all of them because um, I, I don't think there's any one answer to fit all situations. But I think to fit a lot of them based on the fact that, again, we're social animals, we need relationships to, to keep moving forward and to keep developing um in a healthy positive way because then you alluded to culture earlier and I think an interesting one in terms of that's reshaped culture is social norms and and that culture dynamic um I mean hot topics right now is LGBTQ uh, community you've got women and the the equal pay like there's so many pieces of this dynamic that it'll be interesting how remote work affects maybe some of those issues that have been pushed Recently, um, does, that, does that reshuffle things? I don't know. Um, yeah. Another one, one more thought that crosses my mind with remote work and the challenges that it'll present. If I'm working for a company in California, I choose to move to Utah. Should they pay me a living wage based on Utah or should they pay me the wage in California, which is the company that I work for? Again, I don't know that I have the answer for sure, but I know that's going to be a very real issue um, that is, has already been crossed for a number of companies, if it hasn't already been crossed. Yep.
1: Yep. And, and it, and to that point as well, um, when it comes to a lot of the things that people are having to deal with uh, that are like, there are a lot of dynamics, like you said. And so uh, childcare is one that uh, is always relevant. And so, you know, Hey, people are needing, you know, uh, less, they're needing either more money because they don't feel like their standard of living is uh, being met. uh, A reasonable standard of living is being met uh, by getting paid a certain amount to, again, to your point of, Hey, if we are working in Cal, if we're working in Alabama, but we have our companies based in California. And so what is the going rate there? Does things even like childcare, which can cost, shoot 75 bucks a day for a single kid. And that's a, that's a pretty inexpensive childcare. Um, And so is that kind of how some companies can maybe offset or even draw uh, more people into, Hey, you know, you, yeah, you don't get your $25 an hour that you think is living wage, but also you can work from home. And so childcare might be easier. And in our particular line of work that we're wanting you to do is more clerical tasks. So you can step away from the computer for, 15, 30 minutes at a time, right? Take care of the kids. So these are definitely things that, uh, I think a lot of people are talking about and have to kind of consider. Sure. Versus just jumping, uh, ship with yes, it's either good or bad. Um, I'm not in favor of having the pure stance of one way or the other. I think that the working remote should be a tool that can be used. Um, in order to benefit the workers. But at the same time you brought up abuse and that shouldn't be, there should be definitely that holding, that that holding them to still have the standards and a certain amount of work done, so.
0: Well, and to go back to that positive side, we we kind of went down the rabbit hole of (laughs) of remote work and kind of the topic was, how does the evolving workplace, um, how has it evolved? And, and the idea of having two and three jobs, I guess that's a positive of remote work, right? Is it allows you time to then say, oh, I can bang out my side hustle, whatever that is. Um, and, and now again, if you can manage time efficiently, you can legitimately make money through different avenues um, while working from home or the accessibility of saying, I can bang out five hours in the morning doing that job. Now I can go do this conveniently versus worrying about I'm at nine to five downtown la and you don't those side hustles don't exist because of that
1: yeah and you're also gaining back especially in the major metropolitans where you do have to drive 45 minutes an hour mm-hmm. um i mean by gaining that round trip of an hour and a half to two hours back that allows for there to be so much more productivity Um, when you do work from home, you can be like, wow, I've effectively worked 10 hours, but it doesn't feel like I've worked 10 hours because I didn't have to drive for 45 just to get to the place, drive 45 to get back. So I think these are also definitely, um, big things that the, with that too, holding two to three jobs, um, I think that's even more relevant. Yep. Than ever, I think a lot of people do follow a lot of the kind of financial gurus out there. Um, Robert Kiyosaki of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, Dave Ramsey uh, is, is always touting about getting second jobs, delivering pizzas, doing whatever you can. Um, Robert Kiyosaki focuses more on the multiple streams of income. And so um, I think because of this, we're seeing definitely a lot more people following passion projects and seeing exactly how those play out. Whereas if they had to go to a nine to five, they're dedicating that eight to 10 hours every single day, um, driving included to make sure that they, they're they able just to do a regular job, let alone now they're tired. They don't want to go and work on that passion project for right. another two hours because that's more work, even if it's work they enjoy. So yep. um, yeah, good, good point with that. Uh, now, when it comes to relearning technology, how was your first experience with a Zoom meeting, Nick? Frustrating,
0: <laughs> frustrating, <laughs> and I think that's most new things for us, right? It's it's frustrating because you don't understand it. Um, I think the difference lies in your willingness to then take the time to understand it versus you no know, first first mention of resistance or first uh, situation of resistance. A lot of people choose to quit, right, and say nope, too complicated to this, to that. But yep. I think the reality is we're going to be expected to have to relearn things um, over and over, which just makes it more conducive and more normal to shift industries or to switch jobs. Yeah. Um,
1: and COVID kind of made it, a lot of people do that. Yeah. They had to like, nope, you don't get to meet in person. Sure. And it's like, oh, wow, this Zoom thing is actually kind of cool. After right. you do it for a while, you're right. like, oh, I don't have to wear pants. <laughs> Perfect. This is something I've always wanted to do is not wear pants. Yeah, right. And still share ideas. Yeah. 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 Still share. (laughs) Still still get out what we need to get out of it. Make it productive. Um, Yeah. Sometimes literally, sometimes literally get out what we need to get out of it. Yeah. This is. is But you alluded to a
0: big, I, I think important piece of all of this change in, in working norms of having one job versus a side hustle versus holding numerous jobs, that technology piece that also is a massive player, right? That again, our parents and grandparents didn't have those resources at their disposal. Um, which, which makes sense for them to have that one job and grind for 10-ish hours. So, again, it's not comparing apples to apples. Nonetheless, you're still looking at the same situation holding down a job. Um, you just have different resources to your disposal in, in one generation versus another.
1: So Yep. Absolutely. And yeah, it's, it's a, a majority of, I think the, the coal States, coal towns, stuff like that, they're already seeing, Hey, we got to switch more to this technology thing. Cause our old way of trying to just hold on to that. Yep. It, we might literally die with it yep. in our hands yep. where we, the, the town just doesn't exist anymore. So yeah, definitely things that embrace it. Uh, I love the saying that uh, here at, with a lot of the technologies that I use cause I fully embrace technology on the mortgage side of things. Absolutely love stuff like that. And it's, um, technology will never, uh, well, technology will never replace a mortgage lender or a real estate agent, but it will replace those who refuse to use technology. So sure. it's, I think that's applicable to dang near anywhere. Yep. Um, cool. Yep. I think we hit that one on the head. Anything that you want to wrap it up with, or move right into the next thing? No. Let's let's segue into our next. <laughs> All right. Next, we're going right into the fun part of real estate. It's what we've decided to do as careers, so you know that we must have some passion behind it if we're willing to spend eight hours behind a computer screen uh, to work on it. So today I thought that we would be talking about something that is on a lot of people's minds, and that is when it comes to, hey, I want to have a single-family home. I want to live the American dream. But right now the market is so freaking crazy that I just can't imagine actually buying a single family home. I can't afford one down payments too much, whatever it may be. And there's a lot of things with down payment that just drives me freaking insane. Like, Oh, I only need a thousand dollars. No, you don't. It's a house. Yeah. It's a house. It's a full house. It's, it's the <laughs> pinnacle of achievement. Why do you think you should get that for a thousand dollars? That doesn't. Okay. But. Let's have a little buy-in, people. But at the same time, I always tell people that you don't need to have the perfect house right now. And the perfect house can mean even having that single family house. There's plenty of things of condos, townhomes. I don't want neighbors. You're always going to have neighbors. Get over it. Like, unless you're going to build a house in the middle of wherever. Like, I'm giving some some hard truths here because these are the constant people of explaining why they can't, um, but... Five years down the road, they're going to wish they had. So let's have some, let's, let's talk some hard truths today. Um, I'll let Nick take it from here because he is the pinnacle and I'll just ask him some relevant questions along the way, because he is the pinnacle of a person that went from condo to owning a single family home within the span of a few years. And a few years can definitely be relative to one person or another, but it wasn't more than a decade, right, Nick?
0: Yeah, it was right, right at a decade. Um, so exactly. It wasn't more, um, no, but you, you hit on some pieces within that, that I want to adjust real quick before I get into my example. And that is like you said, th- this idea that you can get in with a thousand dollars down or or so little down at the end of the day, real estate is hard. I don't care what anybody tells you and how simple it can be. It's a complex process that has moving pieces. Ask questions. I think that's the most important thing versus just assume, well, they said it was going to be easy. Define easy, define quick. Like, again, those are relative words that are catch terms that people people want that, right? Um, but the important thing is be educated and ask questions. Um, so within that, as Jalen alluded to, yes, I started with a condo. Um, and I think that was the best decision I could have made based on the fact that, A, it was an easy decision because I didn't have a family at the time. Um, nonetheless, it's just such a better, more affordable option for... Um, and it doesn't have to be here forever, right? I think that's the other reality that there are some 20-some-year-olds that feel like, I need to get into a home today. It's, and I guess my first question is, why does it have to be, right? So I think it's important to to have an idea. What do you like and why do you like it? With that being said, what happens if there's a mismatch in price? What are you going to do if there's a mismatch in price? If you get pre-approved for $600 and the house the single family house that you want is over 700 which by the way in, in the LA metro area average price of a home is 720,000 so let's use that example you pre-approved for 600 if there's a mismatch in price what are you going to do and and in my opinion you have three options one do you have that friend or family member that's able to back you up for that difference two how far are you willing to drive until you qualify to get that right do, are you going to are you going to be willing to pick up an hour and a half commute to pick up that that single-family home that you feel like you really want? Um, or are you willing to give up some of your what's and your why's? Are you willing to give up, you know what, I don't need the what being a single-family home. I can settle for a condo. Why? Because I know in three or four years, I'm comfortable then being able to be, be in a better position to make moves. But at least I've got myself in a home and I can have the benefit of the appreciation. Um, because... Yep. It's not just interest rates right now. Appreciation, <laughs> unfortunately, is taking a lot of prospective home buyers out of the whole situation, which is an absolute positive
1: 100%. for home
0: buy yeah. or for homeowners. They're just like, "Bring it on!" Yeah. <laughs> um, but prospective home buyers can't save fast enough, no. right? Uh-uh. Give you an example yeah, yeah. In, in LA: seven hundred twenty thousand, right, Jay? Seven hundred twenty thousand yep. is yep. is the cost of an average price home in the LA metro area. Holy cow! We're projected to have ten percent again. Don't have a crystal ball, but we're projected to get 10% appreciation this year. What does that mean? It's about seventy, what, $7,200 a month, um, yeah. thereabouts.
1: Yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit less. Uh, yeah, six like six grand,
0: my fault. Six grand, have 12 yeah. months in the in calendar year. <laughs> six grand a month. If you can't save six grand in a month, you can't even save fast enough for homes that, yeah. that are appreciating. Like That's just your reality. So it's not a right or a wrong. It's just know what you're up against. Um, because if you can and are qualified right now, Again, what are you maybe willing to give up to just get in the game, and then you can yep. move from there? Versus feel like you're stuck in, in that rat race of I, I'm I'm splashing out thirty five hundred a month in in rent and whatever living expenses I have, and it's it becomes farther and farther, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely a big chasm, and everyone that's like, oh, twenty percent down, twenty percent down, twenty percent down. I want that single family, twenty percent down because it's a better. That people that the sellers don't care if you have twenty percent down no they're they're that's if you think that that's gonna make you compete, it's not it's like appraisal gaps uh strategies are big right now, yep, they've been big for about a year now it, there's people coming in with cash offers for the exact same amount that you're wanting to put in, and usually it's more, so it's like. You being like, Oh, I'll just wait to put my 20% down or I'll wait for XYZ. I'll, I'll wait for, um, and no, I noticed watching our transcripts a lot that XYZ is something that I use all the time. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there, there's always going to be appreciation. It, Denver is the same thing. $450,000 house. Oh, I'll just wait because it's not at the payment that I want okay, that's, that's fair. I mean, you can afford it now and you should probably get into it. No, I'm, I'm going to save up a little bit more so that I can have enough to put down so that I can get to the monthly payment that I want. It's going to gain 10% in appreciation this next year. Right. There's not, there's $50,000 more that you're going to have to bring up. The other person's not going to just give it to you. Right. There's no crash. We've been warning about this for, since we started this podcast, that there's not going to be a housing crash. So stop pretending like it. This isn't 2008 all over again. Different conditions, people. So anyways, long-winded conversation, just solely focused on get in the game instead of waiting for your dream home. Right. If you don't have, you know, the money just to buy the dream home right now, it's not happening today. Um, But Nick is a perfect example of how he went from a condo. To a town home. So, what did that look like? And then yep. let's look at what it looked like going all the way up to a, a single family home.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, graduated, if you will, into the town home. With that being said, I looked for a different way to get into that town home, and that was to go in with family. So, there again, for those of you that are on the perspective, gosh, how can I afford this? Is that an angle for you? Is it a close friend that's in the same situation you are that says, I can't afford a home, but maybe you buy a duplex? They got one side of it, you got the other side of it. Right, um, But for me, my individual scenario was I was in, a, uh, got in the townhome 50-50 with my parents. They didn't live there. Um, they just wanted a piece <laughs> of the investment side of it. And now it made it more affordable. They did affordable. have keys, though, right? They did have they keys. keys yeah, so. yeah, yeah, they did have <laughs> keys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was the angle. So then I owned a condo and technically 50% of the townhome nonetheless lived there. And it also afforded me the opportunity to save up to say, okay, I was able to get that. Um and I was able to gut it. Here's another angle for prospective home buyers: It was a foreclosure. There's not a ton of them on the market right now. As Jalen alluded to, it's a different market than, than the 08 um, in that time frame where we were inundated with foreclosures. With that being said, um, it was a foreclosure at that time. So it needed work. And luckily, because it was a foreclosure, we were able to get it at a price point that allowed me to then invest money straight away to, to update things. Um, and we gutted virtually the whole place. So, again, experience of, experiences of starting in a condo, getting into a townhome with, with, with family, looking at a foreclosure. Is that something you're open to? Some people are open to the project house, and some people say, I want a turnkey ready. I don't want to mess with anything. Again, these are just preferences. Nonetheless, they're preferences yep. that either open doors for you or they close them.
1: Um, and what happened to your condo through that whole thing, Nick?
0: Yeah, so it just turned turned into a rental for me. Um and it was located about a mile away from the university. And it was an easy rental. There again, I say easy rental, needed help. How are you going to manage a rental, right? Um, luckily, I have parents that live in, in Grand Junction, um, as well as myself. So I, I manned it when I lived in Colorado. And then when I moved out of state, how are you going to manage it again? Um, and so I was able to lean on, on family that was in that space And it it was relatively easy to take care of. It it didn't have a lot of issues that that came up. Um, For the townhome, when I moved out of state, we got a property management uh, company to oversee that because my parents and I came to the conclusion, you know what? Yes, they would help with the condo as needed, when needed. um, But the townhome, we just wanted to say, if something happened, we didn't want that middle of the night phone call. Rarely did we ever have any issue. Nonetheless, it gives someone the peace of mind. Right. So again, my experience was I I totally oversaw myself or family oversaw the condo side of it um, of being a rental versus the townhome. We experienced the property management side of it. Um, What does that cost you when it's your family? It's free. When it's a property management company, it's about 10 percent ish, depending on where you live and and, and what have you. Um, 10 percent ish of what your gross rent is. Right. So if you're charging two grand, they're going to take 10 percent off that
1: two grand. Right. Yep. So things to be aware of. And then when you finally, um, so you move out of state. Yep. Everyone assumes it's California, which spoiler yep. alert, it is. Okay, uh... good. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then you're now having a, so you have these two rentals back in Colorado. Right. You're living in California. You decide that you want to buy a single family home. Um, what does that process look like and, and what happened to those previous, um, properties in Colorado?
0: Yeah. So Bree and I had our wedding canceled for the second time. And so we weren't thinking, uh, when we got married of, Hey, a, a home. So after it got canceled the second time because of COVID, uh, we, we were in those stages of the, 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 unknown of what, what's on the horizon. So a whole, whole bunch of things, of course, as everybody knows got canceled. Um, so our, our mind and specifically her mind shifted to Nick, what if we got into a house and I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. But we're in Southern California. Um, <laughs> and then we found ourselves after some conversations with my parents, I said, Hey, would you be interested in uh, buying my side out? Um, you guys own the con- the townhome, I'm sorry, the townhome outright. And I take that equity and use it as a down payment here in California. Um, long story short, we were, we put an offer on a place and we were under contract within about 72 hours between when we were looking at homes, knowing I could use the equity out of the town home to then um, use as a down payment here. Were there some moving pieces Did I get the equity in three days? No. Um, so there needed to be a shifting of, of funds to make it happen um, legitimately. Um, and so I was able to, to lean on my parents to make sure that was a realistic option. Nonetheless, that's ultimately what, what it came down to is having the equity, a, being pre-approved, knowing what moves we could and could not make, and then being in a position to make confident, quick decisions when the time came because we had to make quick decisions to say, do we have proof of funds? Do we, Can we for sure afford this payment? And like I said, it all unraveled on us in about 72 hours. And I know that story is an absolute anomaly for Southern California between when we started looking to getting an offer accepted. But nonetheless, that's my story. Um, yeah. And that was my yeah. story. And that it's was a story five years of, of you,
1: and you. You also. This is a yeah. The story of five years in the making, where each step you were very diligent, made sure that you knew exactly where you were at. You fully understood your position. Yep. And you were able to then act quickly yep. and confidently when the decision time. Like, do you like this house? Correct. Yes. Perfect. Offer. Yep. Like, yep. there's no. Oh, but let's wait for the inspection. Mm, this this is a little wobbly here. Maybe they can give us a seller concession on it. It's like, you know, this is close enough. (laughs) This is well. And and to be fair,
0: we did luck out because it was a a turn. It was a turnkey ready. Um, you talk about timing for, for so many of us and so many of our situations in life timing is everything. Um, and we got in the market at a time that hardly anybody was looking at houses due to COVID and that closing up this industry as much as it did. Um, so that, again, we, we had some favorable pieces in our in our side of things. Um, so we're definitely not complaining about that. Nonetheless, we were in position. And let me preface that we were in position with, we talked to a lender about four or five months prior um, to make sure we were in a position to be able to, to make moves. So...
1: Yeah. So, yeah, Nick is being nice and saying it's, it's, it can be luck. It can be luck, but luck comes to those who are prepared. Yes. So if you're like, I found the perfect house and now it's time to start getting ready. It's like house (laughs) is gone. (laughs) Yes. Good luck. hundred percent. If it, if it's still there, you probably don't want it either. There's (laughs) clearly something seriously wrong and that's in any market in the country. So, okay. Um, I think that's a perfect spot to wrap up on there. So let's move right over into hashtag dead life uh, where we just talk about everything and anything that has to do with dads uh, and slowly holding and cobbling together your sanity uh, when the nights are long and the days are even longer <laughs> and uh, <laughs> all of the things that we try to do and battle with on a daily basis as a father from, uh young dad like yourself not age wise You're you're ancient Easy. compared to me okay <laughs> but a dealing with a newborn to me who uh tomorrow is Emerson's birthday so do, do, do. it's uh yeah 4 years 4 years of no sleep so <laughs> that's really what we're celebrating yeah uh 4 years ago i decided sleep was uh only an option and very quickly found out that i was wrong so <laughs> Um, yeah, today we are going to be talking about what, Nick?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's only, gosh, that I, I to be honest, didn't think that the tomorrow tomorrow is his birthday. So with that being said, I think it o- it is only good that we're talking about the topic of what piece of advice would you give, in your case, your two sons, in my case right now, my one son, um nonetheless, your kids, uh, I'll give you three concepts, ideas of your choice, what three things... Uh, do you feel is the best advice for them and why?
1: Okay. So three things are always um, stick with what you start all the way through. I think whenever the going gets rough, that's where a parent really flourishes is when they're like, nope, too bad. You started it. Let's learn a lesson. There's usually a lot of tears to fight there, but that's one. Um, Being honest and respectful. So it's the way you carry yourself. Uh, one day we're we're going to be talking more about business in our first segment from moving forward. We're trying to come up with a good name for it. But um, one of the things that we can touch on someday, it can be, as you can see with my fingers and hands here, tattoos in the workplace and how uh, I have gone through that. I've never felt any stigma attached to him because of the way I carry myself and the way that I interact with other people. And so I think that's a huge one. It's not necessarily tattoos themselves are bad uh, or the people that get them, but it's if you have tattoos and you are not respectful and don't carry yourself with respect and have uh, respect as the focus of when you're interacting with others, life becomes a lot more difficult. And then the third thing, um, I'm going to say not to not follow your dreams in the pure sense of following them just because you should follow them. I think that there should be a clear, um, reason for following them one and a way to make money. So that you can actually survive off of your dreams. So following your dreams just because you're like, I love dancing. It's like, great. I'm glad that you love dancing. How are you making money from it? Because everyone can say everything else about, you know, it's his passion. That's what they just want to do. Not that either of my kids are wanting to dance. Like, I don't know. Maybe one of them will. We're starting jujitsu with Emerson. He's old enough now. So it's like. We'll see. Maybe maybe instead of a gi, he likes, uh, he likes to wear uh, uh, what are the little tippy-toe things that, that uh, ballerinas wear. Yep. I don't know. Yep. Maybe he likes wearing those, though. Not the tutu part. Men ballerinas do not wear tutus. Um, but, yeah, just whatever my kids decide that they want to do, they will have to. Um, and the advice that will be given on a daily basis will be great. You can do anything. You can make money at anything, but it's your job now to make it work. Okay. Like, and that's, that's the, the big thing. So I'll go those with my big three. Okay. What about you, Nick? Yeah. Oh, Diego growing up in Cali. Yep. Yep. <laughs> my, my first
0: piece of advice, stay curious, stay curious mm. and ask questions. Um, I, I think that's such a valuable tool to be consistent with, um, especially as we all age, because I think unfortunately, I don't know if it naturally happens nonetheless it seems pretty natural that a lot of us feel like we've got it all figured out um and i don't think we'll ever have it all figured out so stay curious i know i do i don't know (laughs) stay curious and ask questions that'd be my, my first thing um second one define your experiences don't let your experiences define you i think all of us have so many experiences throughout life too many people choose um, choose to allow those experiences to define them and let them either ruin them or make them for that moment. And there again, and they stop being curious about how they can improve something. Um, it's, I won that game. So I'm a winner. I lost that game. So I'm a loser. And they let those experiences define them. Um, so that would be my second thing. Define your experiences. Don't let your experiences define you. And my third one, keep being open to the idea of relearning. Um, which uh, kind of goes back to what we talked about in the beginning yeah, of, of, say. Yeah, of, yeah. of work um, and how the workplace has changed. Be open to relearning because I think that's such a necessary piece to being successful is not just resting on your laurels to say, well, that's what I know and that's what I'll always know. Um, I, I'm very much of the mindset of having a growth mindset and keep adapting, keep evolving. Because nature will clearly tell you that things that don't continue to adapt go extinct. Um, for those of you that don't yep. like change, you're going to like being yeah. irrelevant even less. <laughs> so yeah, that's my third piece of advice for, for Diego is keep, keep being open to relearning things. Um, I, I think that's a valuable tool to, to have to move
1: forward. so. Perfect. I know that we could probably go deep on any one of those things that we had talked about, but I think, um, in my opinion, that that's, a, that's just a good way to wrap it up. I think uh, keeping it nice and simple there um, and just having a nice message for our own sons that, you know, I, I would also challenge anyone that disagreed with one of those to revisit it and just see what our reasonings for that was and why you disagree with it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think of the six things we brought up, at least one of those probably pertains to why you disagree with it. <laughs> and so, um, you should look into it and if you have something, you know, better or think there's a better way for us to say it, please let us know. We're always looking to grow yep. and always looking to uh, have that input. Um, but Nick, I, I, I have nothing else to add. What about you?
0: nothing it, it was it was enjoyable, so lo- love taking yeah. the time, chatting through some ideas um, sharing some some ideas, and appreciate the time so yeah
1: same to you yeah. as always we commit to one more week uh, that's <laughs> that's our we never we 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 every week we commit to one more week and we always uh have the promise to each other that if one of us starts disliking the conversations that we will uh, uh hang up the cleats as as they say and right off into the sunset with just enjoying what we're doing so hope everyone that uh listened and watched us to this point enjoyed it as well um and Yeah, if you have anything, any comments, remarks about today's topics, we love talking about it. That's why we made a whole podcast about it. (laughs) So, uh, all right, Nick, I'll let you uh, sign us off.
0: Deal. Guys, thank you for joining. um, And we'll be back at the same place, same time next week. Hopefully you're join. Take care.
1: Hey, thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more about my take, Colorado Mortgage Dad's take on the Colorado real estate market, check out the links below. Also check out the links below for more information on products,
0: books, or references made in this podcast. And please don't forget to subscribe, like, and share.